This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver city and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with them to offer a spa package called the courageous wellness retreat, a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, super goop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CW Podcast. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We have a wonderful conversation with Whitney Hansen, who is a young Gen Z poet. 
she truly is a TikTok phenomenon and Instagram phenomenon with her poetry. She's reached so many lives and we are so excited to talk to her today. But before we begin, we share some weekly updates. So Allie, why don't you go first? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's interesting. Um, Yeah. Our conversation with Whitney was really inspiring and I love how she uses her art form, her creative outlet um, as a real tool or it's become like this sort of tool for her own health, her mental health specifically, but you know, it's all connected and it kind of inspired me as a creative myself to read more poetry again. And um, I was actually reading so as many of our listeners know, Erica and I, we met through our Buddhist practice and um, we practice with uh, an organization. It's an international organization. That's a completely lay organization. It's a peace movement basically. And, um, but there's wonderful literature and I was reading, so it's the type we practice is Nichiren Buddhism. And I was reading one of the books called The Wisdom of the Lotus Sutra, which is just I always go back to it. I just love it so much. But there's a poem from a German author that's referenced in this book um, called Books. And I just thought in the context of like our conversation, it, it was just like really beautiful. So it's short. I'm going to read it for you guys. Um, and this is from Hermann Hess was the name of the poet. And he it's it's entitled Books. So it says, all the books in the world will not bring you happiness, but they will quietly lead you back inside yourself. There you will find all you need, sun, stars, and moon, for the light for which you search dwells within you. The wisdom you so long sought in books will then shine forth from every page, for now that wisdom has become your own. Isn't that beautiful? It's very Buddhist, but it also has a lot to do with like what we talk about with Whitney today and really yeah. just getting to trust herself and know herself and using poetry as a vehicle in that as well. So I thought that was cool. That's kind of an update with me. Um, how about you? Yes. Yes. Thank you. That was really beautiful. And yeah. And if anybody is interested in the type of Buddhism we practice, it's um, you can check out, they have a podcast themselves now and an Instagram oh, yeah. a website called Buddhability. Buddhability is the Instagram. Buddhability is the podcast and it's buddhability.org. But again, as Ali said, we don't have priests or temples. It's a lay organization where you, through chanting, doing your human revolution, really access this innate Buddhahood that lives inside of you, which is really beautiful. So check it out. And I was actually featured on the podcast in September. You can go here, hear my Buddhist journey. And we talk, I talk about courageous wellness in it as well. So it's like my wellness journey through the lens of Buddhism, if anyone is interested. But okay, what I am enjoying this week is actually so. <laughs> We have, I have a long history on this podcast of talking about my anxieties. Um, and I also love coffee, but we know <laughs> that coffee is not always the best for anxiety. And I love it. And so I'm not going to, you know, I go through seasons where I'm on matcha, but I do enjoy that cup of coffee in the morning. And as I've stopped drinking, I do enjoy like 
a cup of coffee instead of a cocktail if I'm out, you know, yeah. or at, you know, you go to a coffee shop instead of a bar or something like that is, is much more normal for me now. And so, but instead of that second cup of coffee, or if I know I want to have a cup of coffee out later, what I'm doing for energy is I'm, I'm grabbing an Odyssey Elixir. And for anybody who doesn't know about Odyssey Elixir, Odyssey Elixir is a functional mushroom energy drink, which is so cool. It boosts energy, focus, and mood. There is caffeine in it, which is great, but I've used them as a mocktail. You can also use them they are an energy drink and you could take it as like a pre-workout if you're into that. It's just, it's so good. It's full of functional mushrooms that are really, you know, great for energy, focus, and mental clarity. And we know the power of mushrooms is so powerful and I love it. And my favorite is probably the dragon fruit lemonade. Um, and they have great flavors, but yeah, I can't recommend it enough. I'm really enjoying Odyssey Elixir as that like extra boost. And if I'm tired in the afternoon, which happens a lot, um, with, we've been having such rainy weather in California and I feel like it just makes you tired. Um, and you know, spring is sprung, but still wintry weather in a lot of the country. I just like that. Odyssey Elixir is my jam right now and they're a new sponsor of the podcast. So if anyone wants to save money, you can find them in retailers across the U.S., but they also sell a four pack online for about $16 and you can save 20% with code CW podcast. So just wanted to share that as well because yeah, I'm, I'm drinking an Odyssey a day and I'm very happy about it. Well, also just to mention, as Erica was mentioning about caffeine, um, Odyssey uses a green a green tea caffeine. Um, and it's only about 80 milligrams, which just to compare it is like one cup of drip coffee, like regular coffee is usually upwards of 200. So it's a lot gentler too, when you're ingesting it with the functional mushroom as well. So it doesn't give you any kind of like jitters that sometimes too much caffeine directly from coffee can. And just to kind of, I just wanted to point that out. Um, no, it's, a, it, it's a lot gentler of a caffeination and it's also a lot lower of a caffeination if you're comparing it to a cup of coffee. But we just have to remind everyone that uh, this episode is brought to you by Milk and Honey. You want to talk a little bit about their online boutique? I was just going to share. Yeah, I have been loving Milk and Honey forever. As everyone knows, I'm a ride or die with their aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant, which is so good. And they also sell on their online boutique a wide variety of clean products, including Osea Malibu, Super Goop, Moon Juice, and again, the Milk and Honey skincare and bath products are just amazing. And so you can save 20% online with code CW podcast. And you can also go to their spas if you live in Austin, LA or Chicago and all throughout Texas as well and save 20% there with code CW podcast. So with that, we should definitely get to today's episode because it is a good one. Yes. So Whitney Hansen is a poet and TikTok phenomenon with over 1.6 million followers. Her best-selling book of poetry, Home, is being re-released on May 9th through Penguin Random House with a new introduction and more than a dozen new poems. Resonant, raw, and vibrant, Home is a lyrical map to navigating heartbreak. 
Tracing the stages of healing from the despair that comes with the end of a relationship to the eventual light and liberation that comes with time, the poems in home provide comfort and solace while revitalizing your soul. Through Whitney's vulnerability and authenticity, she has connected with thousands of readers and adamantly believes that poetry is not a dead language. Rather, it is the key to unlocking true vulnerability, which leads to deeper connection with one another. Whitney grew up in rural Montana, and she now attends university in South Carolina. And in this conversation, we get to know Whitney and her journey as a poet, college student, and college athlete. And we have a beautiful discussion on her poetry and talk a lot about handling social media with such a large presence that anyone can relate to. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches. I have advanced training in hormone health, and she has advanced training in gut health. And we offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We loved the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off your tuition, you can use our names, Allie French or Erica Stein, at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Thank you, Whitney, for joining us today. Erica and I are excited to have you on the show and to have this conversation with you. So just to get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about um, your personal journey and how that's gotten you into the world of poetry? Yeah, um, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I I've probably started back when I was maybe around 16 years old, the whole poetry journey, I read a book by Rupi Kaur, it's called The Sun and Her Flowers. And up until that point, I I really saw poetry as kind of um, old fashioned or I, I studied it in English class. And you know, in English class, there's all this structure and all these rules. And this was the first time that I'd experienced poetry in a way where there, there weren't any rules. And I had this realization that it could be anything that I wanted it to be. And um, so then that's when I started writing because it kind of gave unlocked that freedom for me to write my thoughts down, write anything down and call it poetry. And so on my Instagram page and then on on all of my pages I in my bio, I say um, poetry is not a dead language because that's kind of how it started for me was this realization that poetry isn't a dead language and it's like a bridge of connection between people. And um, so, yeah, I, I was really inspired when I was around 16 years old to start writing poetry. And I was also going through a tough time in my life. And so 
it became something to lean on for me. And then that carried into my freshman year of college. My freshman year of college was, well, it was, it was the year that COVID started. So it was a bit of a disaster. Um, and emotionally, mentally, and then just like the chaos going on in the world, there was, there was a lot happening for me. And so poetry became something that I was, I was really leaning on that year. And I created this Instagram account that was called creations by Whitney originally. And I started posting little short poems and I had maybe 45 followers. And it was like my close friends and, um, just people who, who found me, but there was, there was only about 45 people there. So that, that's how creations by Whitney began. And now it's evolved into Whitney Hanson poetry. But so then my sophomore year of college, I, I'd been in and out of a lot of relationships and some really toxic relationships. And I really like heavily started leaning on poetry and started posting on my poetry account. And I found TikTok. I started making TikToks, but I, I was sharing poetry a little bit on TikTok, but mostly it was just on Instagram and there wasn't that many people paying attention to it. But then I started TikTok and I really originally just started TikTok as like, doing random trends and things like that. And it was never really authentic to me. I, I always wanted it to be more authentic, but I couldn't figure out a way to like express myself on TikTok. And it was also scary to, to be vulnerable. And so eventually I, I put a few poems out on TikTok and I started to get a lot of attention for the poetry. And um, that was really exciting for me because it was like the first time I was really authentic on social media and I had really good feedback from that. And so that, that meant a lot. So yeah, the, that's kind of how the poetry started. But during this time in my life, my sophomore year of college, when I was like struggling with all these relationships, that's when I started writing the book. And I didn't really know that it was going to be a book. It was kind of just all of the notes in my phone that I'd collected over these months where I was having a really difficult time. And then I I kind of realized that, that it was becoming a book. <laughs> and I organized it all into four sections. So home has four sections. It's losing, lost, flying, and home. And it's kind of my whole journey of like those toxic relationships coming out of those toxic relationships and finding a home within myself and finding um, a place where I felt at peace again after a long time. And so, yeah, that's, that's how, that's how I, that's how home came about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's, um, it's beautiful. When you first started talking about, you know, your difficult freshman year, I was going to be like, yeah, freshman year is awful. It was really hard for me. And then you were like, oh, it was the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, that's a different level of, yeah, I know there's so much that Ali and I want to talk to you about so, so much because, um, what you've done is really incredible from, you know, putting yourself out there from you said like 45 followers and the vulnerability and courage it takes, especially to put out your art onto the internet for 
people to see now millions, you know, you went from 45 people to now you have millions of people reading your poetry, which is um, just incredible. Um, So lots that we want to talk to you about, but I'd love to start with those relationships and with that heartbreak, because I feel like many, all of us, I think, you know, Ali and I are both married now. We're a bit older than you, but, um, those early heartbreaks are, um, powerful. They stay with you. Um, and they can be very formative in different ways, right? That, you know, you can create art or it can really, I think it can destroy a lot of people for a long time. Um, it's hard to move through. So if you're comfortable, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about those early heartbreaks and toxic relationships and how you were able to heal? I know poetry played a part in it, but how were you able to channel, you know, the heartbreak into art as opposed to just letting it destroy you? Yeah. So that's definitely, that's a big question. I, I really felt like I I needed the poetry. Like it was, it was more, it was less of like an intentional channeling it into poetry and more like I was like grasping at straws and this is what I found. And um, those relationships, like you said, when you're just starting college or the the original relationship was coming out of high school um, I just got my heart broken coming out of high school and then I went into college, freshman year of college, jumped into another relationship, which I shouldn't have, and then got my heart broken again. And then the third relationship was actually what the book was about. But really, the whole book was like the accumulation of me losing my worth through all three of these relationships. And then like when I when I finished those that third relationship, it was like, I needed something. And so I pretty much just much just like poured myself into this book because I I needed something. It wasn't even, it wasn't that I feel like I didn't really write the book with intention, any intention other than to like save myself. And so, um, that, that's really how that came about. Yeah. It's interesting how sometimes we can create things of value, a real value through really difficult experiences. And as you said, it's not always like that there's intention to do that, but it's amazing how that can come out of it too. And um, I think it's, I mean, you know, you don't ever wish anybody to have sort of this pain and heartbreak, but as Erica mentioned, it's very common and it's a part of the human experience, I think sometimes. And you talk about like maybe the process of forgetting your worth in those, which actually never goes away. We just forget, we forget it, right? That we have, maybe we forget to, forget to remember about it. Um, But that you titled your book Home because you were able to reach this place um, through this creative process that led you back to yourself. And, you know, everybody's journey looks different, but I think that lesson is like a major lesson in what, you know, Erica and I, and sometimes some of our guests, one of our guests uh, who comes on the show occasionally, her name is Kelsey Abbott. She works in human design, but she calls our, like our lives. She calls it earth school, which I always think is, is fun way to put it where it's like, it's a major lesson at earth school 
is, is coming back to this sense of self and, um, and frankly, in your early twenties to have that kind of experience, I think sometimes it can take people a lifetime, um, to even recognize that for themselves. So coming back to this idea of home that you beautifully talked about earlier, which is like this sense of self or peace within yourself, um, or maybe remembering your inherent worth to go through something like that at such an, I would say a relatively early stage in life is really, um, remarkable. And I guess my question now is that you've had this experience or these series of experience, which is something we can only really reflect on in retrospect, right? It's like, you don't realize it when you're going through it, but since you've had these series of learning experiences through these relationships, you've also created something like the, you said you needed the poetry for your process, but as a result, you've created something sort of beyond that, that other people can also use and tap into. Um, what, I guess now that you're, you have some perspective, what have you learned about yourself? And how do you feel in this moment seeing sort of the bigger picture picture that's come out of um, your work, like that was once a tool for you, but now is like a gift for many other people? Yeah. The one thing I would say is, is just that vulnerability is the key to unlocking like real connection with people. And I never knew how much I needed that um, until I had it because I wrote the book to save myself, but then like it saved me in so many other ways that I didn't realize I needed. And like, I wrote the book and I published it. And then I, at the time I felt like I was on this island and I was the only one experiencing the things that I was experiencing and feeling the things that I was feeling. And I think a lot of times with, with any kind of like mental health situation or heartbreak, um, we can put ourselves on an island where we think um, we're the only one that is experiencing what we're experiencing. And I was on this island and it was on fire and I was alone on this island. And then I published this book and I realized that there was thousands of other people that were also um, on my burning island with me. And like the island was still on fire, but like I was not alone. And I think that there's something like really beautiful about that is that like we can be in the darkest place in our life and um, we think that we're alone and we're, we're never really alone. And so it, mm. it saved me in that way too, because I, I needed to know that I wasn't the only one feeling all of these things and experiencing all of these things. This episode is brought to you by Odyssey Mushroom Elixirs. Are you someone who relies on energy drinks to power through your day? Well, what if I told you that those energy drinks could be doing more harm than good? And that's where Odyssey Mushroom Elixir comes in. Unlike traditional energy drinks that are loaded with sugar and artificial ingredients, Odyssey is packed with natural ingredients, including functional mushrooms like lion's mane and cordyceps. These mushrooms have been used for centuries to improve mental clarity, increase focus, and boost energy levels. 
Not only do these mushrooms provide natural energy, but they also have a host of other health benefits. We've even done multiple episodes on the power of functional mushrooms, and we love that they can help support your immune system, reduce inflammation, and even improve your mood. With Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, there's no need to settle for a drink that's full of chemicals and empty calories. Odyssey's functional energy drink is the perfect way to get the energy you need without sacrificing your health. And it tastes really good. As someone who is no longer drinking alcohol, I also find this to be a fun and functional alternative to bring to parties, have as a post-work drink, and is a great afternoon pick-me-up. So if you're ready to make the switch, visit their website today to learn more and order your first case. Available in a variety of delicious flavors, there's something for everyone. My favorites include the blackberry lemon twist and orange ginger, but they're all wonderful. Plus, as a special offer for our podcast listeners, you can use the promo code CWPODCAST at checkout to receive 20% off your first order. So what are you waiting for? Ditch those unhealthy energy drinks and try a functional energy drink today. Visit their website at www.odysseyelixir.com and use promo code CWPODCAST for 20% off. Odyssey is also sold and shipped in the USA and you can find them at your local retailer. You can find all of this information in our show notes. It's so beautiful. And I mean, it's so the reason Allie and I originally started this podcast and our mission with it is exactly that to help people feel less alone in their journeys, right? That's the more we share vulnerable stories of health, wellness, mental health, all of it, um, the less alone we all feel. And it reminds me of this um, parable that I want to share and I hope I don't butcher it, but Ali and I both practice Buddhism. That's how we met. And there's a beautiful um, parable in the Lotus Sutra, which is um, the Sutra of the Buddha that we practice. And in it, it reminded me of what you were saying, because there's a parable about a burning house, right? And there's these people inside of the burning house and the house is on fire. (laughs) I keep mentioning it's a burning house and it's horrible. Like there's snakes in the wall and just, it's not a house you want to be in. Um, but they won't leave the house, right? Like they, they, these, the people in the house won't leave the house. And it's, it's ultimately, you know, the Buddha who guides the people out of the house. And, um, but he does it through different methods. And it reminded me of your book because you said like, I was on this Island that was burning, but then this book home, you, it's almost like that was a guide to help people out of their own burning houses. Right. And I think, um, I just think that's really beautiful. And a lot of things in our, in life, um, you know, that are our mission. I think that's our purpose on this earth is to help other people in a wide variety of different ways. Right. Cause we're not alone. And, um, I definitely want to go into your work and creativity, but I just, I have one question about heartbreak and trauma and, as you mentioned and and have, we've been talking about right like this concept of like losing your worth um and i know you've mentioned poetry was crucial in helping you find it but is there anything else i know we have a lot of listeners going through heartbreak right now it's been a i think since the pandemic it's been a season for a lot of people of massive heartbreak so um I guess my question is, how did you find your worth again? And do you have any tangible tools that you can offer our audience that were impactful to you? 
in addition to the poetry? Yeah. Well, one thing that that I had to do actually in my situation is I had to leave. And so I was at a university. This original university isn't the university that I'm at now. Um, and I transferred. I actually am like 30 hours away driving distance from where I originally was. And I think that sometimes you have to completely take yourself away from the situation, especially like in situations where it's really bad or when you can't even, um, or you don't feel like you can trust yourself. Um, because I was, I was kind of to that point where it was like, I needed to get away from these people, but I didn't feel like I could trust myself to like be emotionally strong enough to distance myself unless I just put this huge distance between me and these people. And so that's what I needed to do. So that's one thing um, I would say, especially with um, toxic relationships are the kind of relationships where it's like back and forth all the time, but you know that you need to get out of it, but it's, it's hard because you love the person. And so with that kind of situation, I would say sometimes it's necessary to, to actually go to, to relocate. And then also in like an emotional sense, like relocating, I feel like helped me relocate mentally and emotionally and so that that would be a really huge thing. And then the other thing for me is um, that I'm a student athlete. And so I, I run cross country and track and field. And so that's another thing that I always pour a lot of my energy into and a lot of my emotions into is athletics. And so um, if, if you're the kind of person that likes to exercise, I would say that, that exercise is always an amazing outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, our audience probably hears that we often talk about even just like the connection being uh, between being able to move like some sort of movement depend it depends it can be different for everybody. But just to um, move because we can hold emotion in our body. And so this idea of like, as you were saying for you, it's track and field and being able to run and, um, but just to kind of like move that energy through our body so that we're not always holding on to the emotion. Um, and thank you for sharing that. And yeah, you know, it takes a lot of courage to share in any way. And that's, I think part of the reason our name is our name. Um, but it, as you mentioned earlier, like vulnerability is what people connect to and ultimately what they connected to about your, uh, your work. And so, um, how, especially like in this age of social media and where we all have a platform at our fingertips, should we choose to utilize it? Now, sometimes it, I think it can be a really healthy thing. And sometimes it can be, people can have unhealthy relationships with it, but like approaching it as a neutral thing. How, um, how did you move from, you know, sharing in what felt like a safer way with your small community of, you know, friends and family or whomever was following your original work? And how did you start to get the courage to just do it? to just hit the publish button or whatever it might be. Um, because I feel like a lot of people might wonder, you know, Eric and I were talking even before the show 
And we had friends. We recently published, I think, what was it, 251? When we're recording this, so I'm dating this a little bit, but um, episodes. And a friend called and she was like, I just want to say that we may never talk. My, our friends might not say this to your face, but like, it's pretty incredible that you guys have just continued to output no matter what. And it was really, it really was moving because it's very hard to see that for yourself, right? When you just are doing it sort of like behind the scenes every day. And I think so many people have wonderful creative ideas, are an amazing, are amazing artists in re- regardless of the medium. But there's this, there's this, um, barrier because of fear, as you said, it was scary. So how did you get the courage to do it? (laughs) I think, I mean, I started out not having the courage to do it. (laughs) I guess that's how it, it always starts. But I, I started out, you know, I said, I just made kind of random videos on social media and I gained a little bit of a following from that, but it was, it never really felt Um, very true to me or very authentic and eventually I I got I think that once you get up the courage to do it one time and then you get like that positive feedback or that feedback that you realize like you're helping someone or someone even if like just one person really needed to hear what you have to say I think that is what drives me to keep doing what I'm doing but I would be lying if I said that it's easy because it's actually not at all. Like every, I think every time I, I'm very self-critical, but every time I put anything out there, I, I have this like moment of hesitation. That's like, maybe, maybe nobody else feels like this or maybe nobody's going to get this one. Um, But I just think that, that the risk is worth the reward. And like the reward for me is is seeing those comments where people are like I needed this today or messages where people talk about how much my book has meant to them or something like that yeah so yeah I feel like such a common a common barrier to entry for people too is like well what is what is what are my friends gonna think or what is my family gonna think what's my what are the people I went to high school with going to think, right? It's like, we are so anxious about the peanut gallery. And so I'm curious too, like, have you had to deal with any trolls in real life or on the internet? I'm sure on the internet, but I think sometimes too, when we stand in our light, sometimes people don't like that, you know? So I wonder in, um, in your real life. So I guess it's a two-part question. Have you dealt with any pushback from people like jealousy or um, toxicity in your real life from putting out your poetry in such a public way? And then also part two, how do you deal with trolls? Because I'm sure they exist online. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say that I endured a bit of teasing, especially when I first started, because when you first start, it's like, if you if you have this big following, then you're validated in what you're doing. But if you don't have the big following and you're putting yourself out there, then it's like silly that you're doing it. Like, so initially, that's frustrating because it's like you can't build this big following if you never start with this small following. And so 
I think that that the beginning is the hardest part because like once you get to this point where you have this good following, then all of a sudden everyone's mindset shifts and they're like, wow, what you're doing is amazing, but you start out and that's not what people are thinking. And so I definitely at the beginning, um, that was something I had to deal with and it wasn't easy for me. Um, but I, I would say that if there's anybody who's a small creator or somebody who wants to create something and they're getting that backlash or they're getting that discouragement from their peers or from people in high school. Um, I, I would just say to keep doing it because eventually their mindset's going to shift and they're going to be like, Oh man, I wish, I wish I would have done that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you make a good point. A lot of times pushback or backlash, at least on a personal level is oftentimes just as Erica said, you know, you kind of like being a mirror for someone else's own stuff. Maybe that's envy or, or jealousy. If it's even just like for the courage that it takes, maybe it's like a totally different, you know, content or they might be an entirely different creator. But I think as Erica mentioned, sometimes it can be triggering for people to see other people succeed or live authentically because if they're not, it reflects something in themselves, um, which is just an opportunity for them to, you know, to recognize that. And um, yeah, it's true though. You make some really good points, which I hope everybody listening is really hearing because you can't gain a big following without a small following. And you can't gain a small following without doing it. And when we do things in the beginning, they're going to be imperfect. I mean, that doesn't exist. But like this idea, even for you said, you said yourself, you're critical on yourself or you're hard on yourself. And typically, I think as creators, we're probably the most harsh on ourselves. Um, so is that something now that you've sort of had this exponential growth? Um, and yes, it might feel like over a long time. But in fact, in the grand scheme of your life, <laughs> you know, it's it's all relative. It's also over a short time. If it's a few years and you you chose to self-publish home in the beginning and now it's being published by Penguin Random House, which is pretty amazing with some new additions too. Um, and so I guess my question for you is now that you have this like new kind of momentum, I I don't even know that when you get this type of momentum, anyone can really be prepared for that. Sometimes it comes as a surprise, right? How do you um how do you deal with like staying focused as well on your work? I mean, I know that it evolves and it's gonna grow, but instead of like, do you ever find yourself now worrying about the following or worried about engagement or worried about, are people going to buy my book? I mean, I'm sure that's all very natural, but like, do you ever feel like that detracts from the creative process or how do you balance those things? I would say that it definitely does. I initially, it was like everything that I was creating was 100% just what I thought and what I felt. And then once I realize like that I have this audience that's watching me, it becomes a lot more difficult to just listen to my mind and not listen to what I think they're thinking about what I'm doing. 
And so that's been something that I've had to adjust to. And I think at times when I start to feel that way, or I start to feel like the pressure to create something good enough that it's going to get a ton of views or um, where I feel myself like skewing away from authenticity and towards just like pursuing like the most amount of views I can get or something like that. I I have to take a step back and um, really think about like what I'm, what I'm doing and what I want this to be because I've always wanted it to be like something really real for people to connect with. And I think as soon as I'm like catering to an audience, I'm no longer being really real. And so that's something that I've definitely had to, had to adjust to. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder too, you know, I, I feel like for a lot of artists, success can be so defined right by, um, I mean now, right. It's likes and views or monetization and all of that. Um, but I, I don't think, again, I'm not a traditional artist, but as someone maybe from a little bit of the outside who is surrounded by a lot of artists, I I've never found that right. I think like the ability to create and put yourself out there and, um, perform through whatever medium that may be is so powerful and beautiful. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, I know you now have, you know, this is now your career, which is so amazing. And I'm sure something that so many young people who are listening aspire to, but, you know, again, just kind of looping back, it really started for you, right. As just this like passion and this, like, like you said, this need to create, to kind of get these emotions, um, out of your body. I'm curious what your definition to of success is, you know, and if, if the business aspect of it or right, like now this is your career, but kind of, um, what you would kind of say to any young creators who are listening, right. Who maybe only have a couple hundred followers and they're kind of plateauing there. Do you have any kind of words of wisdom of defining success for yourself as well? Kind of maybe outside some of those, you know, standard kind of ways. Yeah. I would have considered my poetry page when I first started at and it had whatever 40 or 50 followers I was never looking at it and thinking man this is I'm failing you know um and I think that I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for how far I've come and and what this has become but I also think that anytime you are able to put yourself out there vulnerably like that's a win and even if it's not your career that's still like a win and I think that this is something that because I wasn't really pursuing this as a career I always felt like it was just a win to publish the book like it was a win when the first 10 people ordered a book it was a win when the first thousand people ordered a book you know, and so I I think that it definitely we live in in a society that is so focused on um, 
like making money and making getting views and like a, a capitalist society and it makes a lot of times our our goals so much more focused on like how do i make my my hobby my career how do i make this passion my career but like how about your passion is just your passion and i think that if your passion is your passion then you're winning no matter whether you have a thousand people watching your passion a hundred people watch, watching your passion nobody watching honestly like art for the sake of art is also like incredible and that's what I was doing in the first place and I never felt like oh I'm failing because I'm making this art for myself like that was never something I felt like so I, I feel like I want to carry that on um in my career is that like I never feel like I should feel like I'm failing because I'm still creating and I'm still doing something I'm passionate about. Yes. It's very, I feel like those are wise words and you're right in our sort of like capitalist system. It's easy to forget that or forget our worth as artists or creatives. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order seed daily symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code courageous 15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. Erica and I were talking a little bit about this the other day, not in the context of our show or our podcast, but, um, you know, I actually have, we both have entertainment backgrounds before we a few years ago started this through our like wellness journeys. And, um, and I was a performing artist and you're married to an artist too, Erica. And like, we're just talking about people, creatives in general, and that there's so much emphasis on like, how, um, like whether you're making money and like, does that define you as an artist? And I was like, yeah, like I had a career for over 10 years where I was like earning a living as an artist. And now it's like, I pivot to different work. And does that make me less 
like worthy as an artist too. So there's this question of like, you talk a lot about, you know, worth in our earlier part of our conversation from a relationship standpoint, but I think these explorations um, of worth in general are really kind of important conversations to have to, to force us to just like look at ourselves and how we value ourselves versus how we're taught through sort of like a capitalist lens, which is oftentimes through monetization or productivity. And like, what does that even mean? And I think COVID also was something that, yes, was very difficult, but I think created some reflection on that. Um, And I think that you are a representation of your, your generation too, having a better sense of that. Like, I don't think it in my early twenties, you're 23 now, right? I'm 23. 22. Okay. I don't think that I had any sense of that even around my own creative work, just because it was so normalized where it's like, oh, when you get hired to do this, all of a sudden you're, you can define yourself that way. But in fact, it's like, you're a poet, whether you're a published poet or not, you're a poet. If you have 45 followers or 4 million followers, right? Like, and I think having an awareness about, about that, it's such a, kind of young age and having this conversation with us and so that your peers can hear this and that maybe even people who are 50 years older can also hear this, but who've never had the opportunity to really just sort of reflect on that and consider they're worth something that doesn't have to be monetized um, from a creative standpoint too. So thank you for bringing awareness to that. Um, One other thing I was going to say I, I wrote this poem, it's in my book, Climate, mm-hmm. but it's it's about how a lot of like famous artists didn't know that their work was going to be famous and a lot of them died not being famous at all. And then after they died, their, like, their artists sold for millions of dollars. Yeah, And I think that it shows like the way that we underestimate like the value of what we're doing. And sometimes it's like what we're doing is just like not in the right time yet. Like maybe your work or your art is going to be famous in a hundred years and you have no idea. So I just think that we underestimate like the value of what we're doing a lot. Yeah. And I think that's why, again, just reiterating life is so it's long, but it's short, right? Like it feels really long when you're in it. And especially in your early twenties, it feels long, but it's short. And I think creating ways or figuring out ways to be like, how do I, you know, the title of your book is so beautiful, right? Like how do I find home within myself? Right. Because we can't wait for outside. We will never be happy if we seek happiness and validation outside of ourselves, right? It's fleeting. It is completely and utterly fleeting. You know, I am, we know in society and our lives, like so many people who have had great successes and right. It's an ebb and flow. Life is a journey of peaks and valleys. And so that idea of coming home to yourself, of validating yourself, finding your worth. It's its truly an inside job. And I think you really beautifully articulate that. And so um, what does now, now through this journey, through you, again, are republishing this book. So it's already, you know, um, it's, it's a part of you at this point. Has your idea of home 
in yourself transformed at all? And what does it, what does it really mean to you now? Yeah, I always, I, like you said, I just think that, that home is like, you have to find this home within yourself before you're ever going to feel like at peace and at home. Um, but also the the fact that there's there's one poem at the at the end of home that's about how you haven't necessarily like reached a destination in this like healing and there's no like true like healing destination that this ultimate goal out there that, that you're supposed to meet and with home i i came to this realization i got to the end of the book and I wrote the last section called home and I realized that I like wasn't in this place of perfection. And so the way that I define home now is just that it's, I'm feeling at home within myself, but I'm also aware that I'm constantly growing and I'm constantly changing and there's going to be more adversity in the future. And, and this isn't, like the end all but but I am at home with my within myself so I guess I guess just the the idea that I'm always going to continue growing um but continuing to like find that home within yourself is going to be like a process that continues beyond just this like healing of from one bad relationship that you face so yeah I like that. It's like home goes with you on your journey instead of being the final destination, right? Um, So as we begin to wrap up, we always do three wrap-up questions, but I actually have like a precursor wrap-up question for you. Um, So I'm going to give you the first, I'm going to give you the wrap-up question, but then I'm going to sort of add a component for you. Um, And the question that we ask all of our guests is, what does some of your daily self-care practices look like? And do you have any non-negotiables in there? So that's the question. But for you, I'm going to also ask, what do your creative self-care process, uh, self-care, like, yeah, tool kits, or what is your creative um, self-care look like? How do you nurture yourself as a creative in addition to just nurturing yourself as a human? And maybe those things overlap as well. Yeah. So as a human, the creativity obviously plays into it and, and creating poetry and art plays into it, but also, um, my running and being in athletics is a huge part of it as well. But with like nurturing, nurturing the creative part of myself, one thing that I do is I record my poetry videos in my car and for me that's like my that's my time for myself and it's also really liberating to read the words that i've written out loud and i never realized that when i just started writing in the beginning but then like having this platform to read the poetry out loud on um, instagram or TikTok, it gave me like this other dimension of self-care within poetry because I think there's a lot of power in like speaking things out loud. And 
some of these poems were really like things that I, I needed to say and I never realized how much I needed to say them. And so that's one big part of the creative self-care is, is actually reading the words that I write out loud. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. The next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? I would say it's kind of reiterating what I've said previously, but vulnerability to me is, is courageous. And no matter who's, how many people are watching, I just think that being able to put yourself out there in your most authentic form, that's, that's courage. Thank you. Yes. And then the final question is, of course, in addition to your own books, do you have, um, a book, it can be poetry, it can be a novel, it can be on anything that's just really meant something to you um, along along your journey. Just a favorite. I I have two. So the first one is The Sun and Her Flowers by Rupi Kaur because that was kind of my realization that poetry could be whatever I wanted it to be. And then the second one is The Little Prince. And I just love how it takes society and takes the way that we think and and just completely destroys it and says no like we can be we can be anything um it doesn't have to be the way that that the world has made it so thank you thank you so much and you're i can't believe you're a student you're a student athlete you're a poet like you are just you know, so inspiring. So thank you for sharing your journey on the show today. Um, if anyone wants to find you, follow you or buy your book, where can they do all of those things? Yeah. So all of my, I'm, I'm Whitney Hanson poetry on everything. And then my book is well home. My second or my first book, but the republished version is going to be available, um, from, Penguin Publishing House, but then it'll be distributed to a lot of different bookstores as well. And then um, my second book, Climate, is on Amazon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.